When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and it is not a Victory Monday. We've gotten used to those, uh, those loser Mondays, whatever you want to call it. The Steelers do not win. They don't come close to victory, although the game was a little bit closer than we thought, or I thought, as they lose 35-13 to to the Philadelphia Eagles. The streak continues. It's been since 19, I don't know, whenever. Gosh, I got to be honest with you folks, before we even get started with anything that relates to news or injuries or anything like this, I haven't been this disgusted in a Steelers football team, in a football game, in a really long time, if I'm being honest. I it, I can just, I can't stress enough how after the game was over, I was just absolutely disgusted. And for a lot of reasons that we're going to dive into within this podcast in the second half, we're going to have winners and losers uh, here in the first half, we're going to talk about a whole slew of things, things that just randomly have gone through my mind since the game ended, after the post-game show was done, after articles were written, all of it. So let's get to the news first, as we always do. I'm going to try to keep you upbeat here. I mean, it's it's tough. This team sucks right now. I mean, let's, let's call a spade a spade, right? This team is god-awful right now in every facet, but the injuries... It's maybe the one positive for this team going into their bye week. Uh, James Pierre, the cornerback who replaced Akella Witherspoon, uh, just just shy of the halfway point. So it was in the second quarter, the waning minutes of the second quarter, he replaced Akella Witherspoon. Did a good job. He's done a good job when he's called upon. He has a foot injury. We have no idea about the severity of that injury. We won't find out because it's the bye week. The Steelers might practice, and maybe we'll get a little report here or there, but Ultimately, we won't know until the lead-up to Week 10 when the Steelers host the New Orleans Saints at Acroshore Stadium. But it, this is a game, I mean, everyone's got opinions. I, I wrote the article for the website, Bill Cowher, CBS Sports. I mean, this is what happens when you have a former Steelers coach as one of the talking heads, one of the analysts. He's got to give his opinion, and he gave his opinion about Kenny Pickett, made it very clear. He didn't say that he doesn't think Kenny Pickett's a guy. He is fearful of Kenny Pickett's confidence. I mean, he said, plain as day, he doesn't like how the Steelers are utilizing him. He doesn't like how they're asking him to throw as much as they are. He doesn't like how 
they are not trying to build the offense that can help protect your rookie quarterback. Not what he's capable of, but protecting your rookie quarterback and his overall confidence. So uh, it, it's just interesting how you know everyone is coming out of the woodwork. You know, you you get guys like Rocky Blyer, which I love Rocky Blyer, but he's just giving another narrative out there for fans to just constantly digest. It is bad right now. Anyone that tells you that this is okay, it reminds me of the scene. I've said it before on this podcast from the movie Animal House. If you're young, you've probably never seen it. And maybe you shouldn't see it just yet, but when you're old enough, uh, there's a scene where there's a parade. It's the very end of the movie. Kevin Bacon he is there in his army. I think he's like ROTC, and he's trying to tell everyone. I mean, mass chaos is going on, and he's sitting there saying, everyone be calm. It's going to be okay, and it's just literally bedlam around him. That is uh, kind of what I feel like with the Steelers, if there's someone out there that's trying to tell you that it's going to be okay. There are some positives. I talked about that last week, but I'll tell you what. In the second half of this show, when I get into winners and losers, I struggled to find winners. I really, really struggled. I found I came with one. I came away with one, one stinking loser. We'll get to that. Okay. The one thing is uh, the game's over, and we have a little bit of time. And I say we, I'm talking about the the crew behind the steel curtain before we do our post game show. And I, I'm sitting here, and I've got my notebook, and I'm just thinking, thinking about everything that's running through my head. And the first thing that comes to my mind. And I write it down is how in the hell did things get this bad? And that's an honest question. How did things get this bad with this team? I don't. I, I I literally was trying to think about that. Okay, how did this? How did things go south so quickly? Some will point to the T.J. Watt injury. Okay. Some will point to going to Kenny Pickett earlier than expected. Sure. But what about? Everyone always says the same thing about the Steelers, okay? They say there's talent there. I mean, you you listen to Cam Hayward in his post-game press conference. You listen to Kenny Pickett in his post-game press conference. All the the around-the-locker-room coverage that you get, and they're all saying the same thing. The talent's there. Now, I don't expect them to say anything else. I mean, what what would it sound like if Kenny Pickett said in a post-game press conference, you know, when he's asked, do you think you have the team to get the job done? He goes, well, we really lack talent. I don't think we can do this. We just don't have the talented players. He would be ridiculed and, and run out of town so fast, it's crazy. Your head would spin. But no, they all say the same thing. The talent is there. And we, as fans, we all thought the talent was there too. But is there really that type of talent on this roster? Did we, as fans and everyone that has a some type of emotional stake in this team just completely overshoot the expectations it's possible it is possible now understand this yes there is talent on the team there is talent on the team but it means absolutely nothing without coaching and a good plan you can talk about offense you can talk about defense special teams doesn't matter you can have all the talent in the world but if you don't match it up with good coaching and good game plans then it means nothing it means absolutely nothing. But I can't also overthink to myself that maybe we overvalued the talent on this roster. You know it's possible. We all do it. We do it all the time. You know, Dave Schofield will talk about how the Steelers fan base, and every NFL fan base probably does this, but we know it because we follow the Steelers closely. 
You know, they fall in love with that fringe player and they think that player is going to be the difference maker. Because every now and then you get those players that are those fringe players, those undrafted players, those sixth round, seventh round players that come in and they are dynamic. People cite players like Brett Kiesel, seventh round pick, Kelvin Beecham, seventh round pick, Antonio Brown, sixth round pick, James Harrison, undrafted. And they always say, well, maybe this guy is that guy. Those are so rare. But I'm not even talking about when we're talking about, like, did we overvalue talent? Maybe some players just aren't as good as we thought they were. And I'm not talking about the young players. I'm not talking about the rookie class. They would fall into that category. Those, A lot of those players, whether it's George Pickens, and he's learning as they go to. We know Kenny Pickett's... Boy, he's going through a rough time right now, and he's learning as he goes. You could talk about all the rookies in this rookie class. They are all learning on the fly. And then you have young players as well. I mean, you're talking about someone like Najee Harris, who I'll be talking about him in the second half of the show. He's still a really young player. I don't think that should be overstated enough. I know that he was very polished coming out of Alabama, but he is still a young player learning as he goes. You can talk about Dan Moore Jr., same category, second-year guy, fourth-round draft pick. Yeah, he's played left tackle for two years, but that doesn't mean he's a, he's a finished product. So I'm looking at players that are, you know, close to their end of their first rookie contract, or maybe they're already on to their second contract or whatever. But maybe, maybe these veterans, we overvalued them. And what's crazy is the first player I'm going to bring up Maybe that player, the organization overvalued him too, and that's Deontay Johnson. You know, you have to talk about players like you know Deontay Johnson is he just got that new contract extension, and he's going to be in town unless they can find a way to trade him or figure something out with that way. But is there a more infuriating player out there right now? And the con the body language is awful. You talk about how there's constant miscommunications with the quarterback, and it's not Kenny Pickett, folks. He had miscommunications with Ben Roethlisberger, with Mitch Trubisky, and now with Kenny Pickett. Who's the common denominator, folks? That's right. But someone like Kevin Dotson, too. And Kevin Dotson, third-year player, that's borderline, that, that young guy. But And I want to give him a little bit of a pass. I shouldn't, but I do. You know, this is a guy that is a rookie. I mean, shoot, we had people on our own website podcast platform saying he could be a Hall of Famer. They said it, not me. And on top of that, the dude's been through three positional coaches in three years. So that's different, and that takes time. I'm not so sure, but he falls into this category. Maybe we thought that the left guard position was fine because Kevin Dotson was there. Maybe it's not. Akello Witherspoon signs a two-year deal. Everyone's excited, myself included. Maybe Akello Witherspoon's not the guy we thought he was. Maybe he turns into a journeyman because there was a reason, folks, that Seattle said we've had him in our facility for less than a year, not even seeing a game. The 49ers are willing to send him to Seattle, and then Seattle says, we'll give him to you for the cheap. Think about that. Maybe we over... Maybe we overvalued that or thought that talent was there when it really isn't Cameron Sutton is a guy that he is the defense's version of Deontay Johnson not from a body language standpoint but from the fact that there are some days where you're just thinking man this guy's we need to get him signed for the next contract because his contract's up after this year and there's there's a part of me that says get him locked up he's a good valuable piece 
And then there's times where you're like, man, this is just rough. You look at some of the free agent acquisitions. Levi Wallace has not lived up to any of the hype. Gunnar Olszewski, ditto. Some would even say that Mitch Trubisky. You bring in Mitch Trubisky, you give him every opportunity to be that guy. And what, whatever, it doesn't matter why they went to Kenny Pickett, but they did in week four. Mason Rudolph could do what Mitch Trubisky is doing right now. So this makes me think that, hey, not only did the fans possibly overvalue some of this talent, clearly the Steelers, the organization, overvalued some of this talent. Now, thankfully, someone like uh, a Gunnar Olszewski and a Mitch Trubisky, they're not financially going to keep the team in debt forever. But Deontay Johnson's contract... It doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. It doesn't look plain and simple. It doesn't look good. This game on Sunday was a joke. It was a joke. Whether the we are overvaluing talent, is there talent even on this roster that's not, you know, some of the mega stars and the TJ Watts and the Cam Haywards, etc. I mean, at the end of this game, and this is something that someone else tweeted, I forgot who it was. They said this was like a college game. Blowout. Backups are in the game. Jason Kelsey, the center for the Eagles, is out there on the sideline wearing a Batman mask. A complete joke. I mean, it, some would say, well, Coach Tomlin needs to show the players that. You think this is, they're two and six. They're two and six. If, if that's what you need to get you motivated, the fact that the other team was over there just having a good old time on the day before Halloween, come on. There's more to this, though. There's more. We as a fan base, and I I knew this. I pick the Steelers every week. That's just because it's what I do. All right? But even I knew this was going to be a tough stretch. It was going to be a tough stretch when you think about the Steelers' first few games leading up to the bye. It was going to be brutal. We know that the schedule softens a little bit afterwards, but leading up to the bye was going to be brutal. And they're 2-6, and 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 2-6 is 2-6. and So now they have two weeks. Two weeks now. And my question is this. How does the organization respond? I'll say that again in case you didn't hear me the first time. How does the organization respond? I'm not talking about Tomlin. I'm talking about up the chain of command. Art Rooney II. What are you going to do now? Because the response will be telling And I'm not just talking about Matt Canada. That's what everyone wants to talk about. Everyone wants to point that finger and say, Matt Canada needs needs to go. Yeah, I think he needs to go. I think he needs to go. I think he's going to stay, but I think he needs to go. They're going to keep him around so that there's a scapegoat for the offense. So no matter what the issue is, Kenny Pickett's playing poorly, Deontay Johnson is a nightmare, Whatever the case is, poor offensive line play, they have a scapegoat. For the rest of this year, they have a scapegoat. If he gets chucked to the side and gets fired, I would be absolutely floored and stunned. Could happen, just don't think it will. But not just Matt Canada here. I want to know how the organization responds, and that also includes Mike Tomlin. I am not suggesting that Mike Tomlin gets fired. But the question that the the organization needs to answer is this. Is he the guy you want moving forward? And I'm talking about after 2022. You look at a very young offense. 
You look at a defense that has some pieces of the puzzle in place and a whole lot of question marks. How this thing, and I mean this 2-6 and six d- disaster of a start to the season, how this gets handled will be telling. And it'll be important to the fan base. Now, a lot of people would say, well, who cares? They don't care about what the fans think. No, in, in a way they don't, but they also absolutely do. They have to. Because if you go to, and I remember 2003, folks, if you talk about the home the home games, I remember 2003 because that was my first time ever going to Heinz Field. I went there because it was 6-10. and 10. It was the home, the, the regular season home finale. They didn't make the playoffs. And they played the, the San Diego Chargers, and I went there, and that place was bare. It was a 1 o'clock game. It was a beautiful day, and everyone that had a ticket was trying to get rid of it. That's how I got to go for free. Someone in my church who had season tickets said, hey, Jeff, you want to go to the game? I have no interest in going up and seeing this disaster of a team. Then, guess what? They care about the fans then. When the turnstiles aren't turning anymore, they're going to care about the fans. And so in that in fan confidence, it does matter. It drives a lot of decisions. I think it's going to lead to Mad Canada being fired. And again, I'm not saying that Mike Tomlin should be fired here. But how this organization responds moving forward is going to be very telling. And that's going to lead into the offseason. I'm not expecting an answer over the bye week here. This is just a general statement about the start of the season and where they go from here. When you look at the post-bye schedule, though, you can expect to see some success, I would imagine. I mean, we'll run down these games quickly. Week 10, home, New Orleans Saints. Week 11, home, Bengals. Week 12, at the Colts. Week 13, at the Falcons. Week 14, home, Ravens. Week 15, at the Panthers. Week 16, home, Raiders, Christmas Eve. And then week 17, at the Ravens. I could see, I'm looking at this these games, maybe two games that they're favored out of those. I think maybe they get their favored against the Saints at home, coming off the bye. And then I could also maybe see them favored at Carolina, but we'll see. A lot can change between now and then. Folks, two and six. I'm looking at this schedule, and a lot of people might say, I see seven, eight wins. At this point, because this game that just happened on Sunday is so fresh in my mind, I, I, I don't agree. We'll see how it, pay, it plays out. But this, the game was a joke, and right now the team's a joke. And I, I was joking. I, I kind of jokingly said this on Twitter, but I kind of wasn't joking as well. And I said, hey, a silver lining to the bad start is maybe the Steelers will have their primetime games flexed in the second half. Yeah, it's possible. They have a, the primetime game against the Bengals. That could be flexed out of Sunday Night Football. The Colts on Monday night, I'm not sure if they change the Monday night rules or not, if they can flex out Monday night or not. That might one that one might have to stay. And then the only one that won't is the Week 16 game on uh, – it's a Saturday night game, and that's the Immaculate Reception anniversary. They're not going to flex that one. But maybe that Bengals game would be flexed. I would love to not have to stay up until all hours of the morning. So, hey, keep that in mind. Silver lining, right? Yeah, awful. All right, when we come back, I'm going to talk winners and losers. I have one winner and 10 losers. Stick with me, folks. We'll be right back. After this
Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second half of the show. It is time for the winners and losers. You stuck around for this. You're a glutton for punishment, and I love all of you for it. All right, we have one winner and ten losers to finish out this Monday podcast of Let's Ride. Let's start off with the winners. The only winner, I should have that. Let me. I need to change that to winner. Yes, there we go. So the winner is Jalen Warren. His stat line is he has six carries, 50 yards, an 8.3 average, and a 19-yard long. Now, here's the thing. Everyone's going to say, well, Jeff, a lot of those yards were in garbage time. Yes, they were. When I have him as a winner, to me, this is more cumulative than it is just this one week. Jalen Warren has continually been as consistent as he's been given an opportunity. And what I mean by that is that Jalen Warren, who as an undrafted rookie free agent, in everything that he's been asked to do, has gone above and beyond the call of duty. And it's he consistently shows up. And what he's starting to show now are that he is that he can do things that Najee Harris struggles with. He gets the ball. He's decisive. He runs north and south. He is that guy they want to use in short yardage. He's better, even though he shouldn't be with his size and stature compared to the much larger uh, Najee Harris. When the Steelers have a third down obvious pass play and they put a running back in there, it's not Najee Harris. It's Jalen Warren. They trust him more with the blitz pickup. Jalen Warren deserves to be a winner for the seasons of season of work he's put on the on tape so far. On top of that, I think that it's time. I'll say it. It's time that the Steelers look at this and say, if Najee's still banged up, okay, whatever. He's not playing the way that we expected him to play. So we're going to make it 50-50. We're going to do a 50-50 split. Why? Jalen Warren has earned it, and Najee Harris has not. So Jalen Warren is the only winner this week. Thought he played well. Runs hard, never gives up, no quitting that guy. I love him. I love watching him play. All right, let's go to the losers list. This is going to be a long one. Let's start with the offensive line. Stat line, surrendered six sacks on Kenny Pickett. Gave up 11 quarterback hits and seven tackles for losses. I mean, think about those numbers, folks. Six sacks, 11 quarterback hits, seven tackles for losses all season. Everyone's been saying, hey, that narrative coming out of the preseason with the offensive line, boy, we were wrong about that. They're actually doing okay. And for the majority of the uh, regular season, yes, they had been doing okay. And then they were never dominant, but they were playing above expectation level. And that was rare for the Steelers offense. Well, Sunday, that was a step backwards. Uh, You know, the line... The, the running numbers, again, they're skewed because Jalen Warren, we talked about the yards in the second half. You talk about Kenny Pickett scrambling on a lot of those. You know, everyone always says, like, they need to throw it deep more. Well, what if you don't trust the guys up front to actually protect the quarterback if he does a seven-step drop? This game, this performance by the offensive line was just a huge step backwards. It was just bad. It was bad. And... What you saw was Kenny Pickett was there was someone in his face every time he dropped back to pass. It, it was just you could just tell that it shaped everything they wanted to do offensively. It looked like they came into this game wanting to take shots downfield, trusting those one-on-one matchups. But when the offensive line's getting abused, mainly by Javon Hargrave, former Steeler, well, that's a problem. So the offensive line takes a step backwards, and they find themselves on the losers list. Next, we have Akello Witherspoon. Well, Akello Witherspoon, welcome back to the lineup, my friend. He had missed all of the action since the Week 3 Thursday night game in Cleveland when he injured his hamstring. 
And on top of that, what do you let's give him his welcome back present. You get one-on-one coverage versus AJ Brown without a lot of help over the top. And on top of that, what's his consolation prize? You get bench for James Pierre. Like I said, around the uh eh, it was like waning minutes of the second quarter. So Witherspoon hadn't played since. He said after the game that he felt that he was fine from a health standpoint, that it wasn't a it was just a rough welcome back. We'll put it that way. He ends up with five tackles, five solo, and getting absolutely torched by AJ Brown. That's how you wind up on the losers list, unfortunately. It's a rough business. All right, let's go to the next loser. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick leads the Steelers in tackles with six, five solo. He has a pass defense. And I thought about this long and hard. I've been doing this winners and losers column for a long time. And since 2019, when Minka Fitzpatrick came to the Steelers, I don't think I've ever had him on the losers list before. But, you know, there's a first time for everything. That's the saying. So Fitzpatrick, you could tell he was trying to do it all. And he is that do-it-all safety for the Steelers. He was trying to do everything. That's what people love about him. But he just wasn't making the plays. He was in position at times, but he just wasn't making the plays. I think back to that first touchdown pass to Brown. If Fitzpatrick was in perfect coverage, you just have to high point the ball. It looked just like Akella Witherspoon versus Nelson Aguilar in Week 2 against the New England Patriots, where he's in position, he just does not make the play. And that's exactly what happened with Minka Fitzpatrick. Throw in the bad angle he took when A.J. Brown caught that quick slant and he's off to the races. Huge gain. Gosh, it's just it's weird to see Fitzpatrick's name on this side of the ledger, but against Philadelphia, hate to say it, he was a loser. Next loser is Najee Harris. Eight carries, 32 yards. He had an 18-yard long. I mean, think about that. 32 yards total, which is a 4.0 average. But 18 of those came on one run. Six receptions for 26 yards, a 4.3 average. He had a nine-yard long on six targets. Caught all the passes thrown his way. Look, you don't need to tell me that Najee Harris looks off. Anyone who watches the games, they know this. For the first time, for me, I saw Harris not making even plays that he should in his current state. So what I mean by that is that the the one thing, that the play that sticks out to me the most was that third, and I think it was maybe three. It's a check down. It's a smart play. You just move the chains. And Najee Harris, with two defenders bearing down on him, all he has to do is lower his shoulder, drive forward. You get the first down. He would have gotten the first down. Instead, he hesitates. Lateral movement, lateral movement, tackled for like a two-yard gain. Fourth and one. Now the Steelers go forward, and on the next play, Harris makes the catch, first down, move the chains. But it's those type of plays. It just screams that he's not playing well right now. He might not be healthy, but he's also not playing well right now. And that's okay. That doesn't mean he was a bust. That doesn't mean that he's not going to have a good career. But my gosh, he's just not playing good football right now. Let's just hope that this performance wasn't a snapshot into like the future of his career. Like that's that's the hope at this point is that Najee Harris, although he's maybe banged up, maybe doesn't fit in this offense well, that the Steelers can find a way to get him going. That's the hope. But he's on the losers list this week. Not a good performance. The next loser is the big play defense. Jalen Hurts had four touchdown plays, four touchdown passes of 25 or more yards. So let's talk about this. Remember that, you know, I always say, hey, I'll take a bend don't break defense, right? That defensive philosophy works, especially with this team. Keep your offense in it. 
Well, they didn't do that in week eight. You know, you think of Jalen Hurts, 25-plus yard touchdowns, three to A.J. Brown. I think the other one was to uh, Zach Paschal. But here's what was crazy. So I'm looking at the box score. I'm looking at the stat sheets. I'm looking at the team statistics, and I see I'm looking at the red zone. Now I'm looking at the Steelers' red zone numbers. I just take a glance to the Eagles, one for one. Yes, you heard it correctly. The Eagles scored 35 points and only had one trip into the red zone. Let that sink in, folks. That means they were scoring on big plays. They weren't these drives. They were grinded out drives, take time off the clock, matriculate your way down the field. No, that's not what they were doing. Big play offense. You have to match it with a big play defense, and the Steelers didn't do it, and that's why they're on the losers list. The next loser, and is the biggest takeaway for me so far this season, is a lack of improvement. And the stat line is simple. Where is it? Where is the improvement? If anything, it looks like this team is regressing. I just want to be able to to talk about something, to grasp something that is tangibly improving. Anything. Anything. For a while, it was the offensive line. They were getting better. They were gelling as a unit, starting to put together some good games, protecting the quarterback, and then this happens. For a while, it was the secondary. They're doing their job. They're keeping the big plays to a minimum, and then this happens. For a while, it was Kenny Pickett. He's doing his job. He's making plays. He's improving, and then this continues to happen. Where is the improvement? This is not just a player thing. This is also a coach thing. Where is the accountability, and where is the improvement on the roster? I'm not here to say that I'm expecting improvement that's going to lead to wins. I'm just saying I want improvement. I want to be able to see what is getting better on this Steelers roster, and I can't, and that's a huge problem. Rebuilding year, yes. Two to three years, I've said it ad nauseum. Ultimately, what it comes down to is the Steelers have to improve, even if it's just one position, even if it's just one player. Just show improvement. All right, let's move to the next one. Penalties. Penalties, that's right. The Steelers had nine accepted penalties for 60 yards. I mean, and you could think about, if you could think about it going wrong, it went wrong. They, they, they were kicking the ball out of bounds on kickoffs. At one point, I think the entire offensive line, minus Mason Cole and James Daniels, was flagged. Defensive pass interference. No, actually, I don't think the Steelers did have a defensive pass interference. I would have been okay if they did interfere on a few occasions, but they didn't. We had offensive pass interference. We had illegal man downfield. We had illegal formations. It was like the garden variety out there, folks. Nine penalties for 60 yards. That seems generous. Now, I will say this. I thought that the penalty situation in in and of itself was very one-sided. They were calling that offensive pass interference against George Pickens. Okay, that's fine. If that's how you're going to call it, then call it that way. But then you watch A.J. Brown on the next series to the Eagles do the same exact thing, maybe even more egregious, and it doesn't get flagged. Uh, Just like punting, all I want is consistency. In the penalty situation, it was bad. Nine penalties for 60 yards. It it throws everything off. Kenny Pickett talked about it in his post-game press conference. When you get penalized, it throws everything off, the entire script, the entire rhythm, everything. Steelers got to clean it up. 
Now, if you want a stat line that's going to show you exactly what went wrong with the Steelers' offense, it's this. Third down offense. Now, you all know, if you listen to my podcast enough, that I look for 500. Give me 50%. 50% or more, and we have, hey, yeah, we're good. Well, the Steelers only reached 50%, never above. 50% one time. That was against the Jets in Week 4. After that, they have not come close. Coming into this game, they had a 37.9 third down percentage in terms of conversion percentage. It gets worse. The stat line against the Eagles on Sunday, third down, one for 12. One for 12. That's right. I, I, I swear I had to do a double take. I thought I was misreading something. One for 12. What else is there to be said? You know, you t- I talked about that Najee Harris play. Like, that's an easy conversion. Get the ball, north and south, get the conversion, move the sticks. Deontay Johnson catches a pass. All he has to do, plant his foot, turn up, get the first down. Instead, dances around, and then they move him back a yard, and there's your third down, punt team on. This stuff happens. It's infuriating. One for 12. The red zone wasn't much better. They had three trips. One one score that Chase Claypool threw a touchdown, one for three in the red zone, and I'd, I'd, I'd feel like I'm beating a dead horse at this point. Let's go to the last loser, the coaching staff. Yes, the coaching staff is the last loser. This is something where the coaching staff has to just own it. They got to own it, but they got to figure out something. The, you get paid a lot of money. Mike Tomlin gets paid a lot of money, believe it or not, and you gotta you gotta find a way to to make this look a, at least something that resembles a finished product. And there's been there's been mismanagement with this team from the get go. I'm not saying that it's perfect, but ultimately, what they're doing right now it's going to impact a lot of things in the future. So if these coaches, we're talking Matt Canada, Terrell Lawson, even Mike Tomlin himself. Yeah, if you want to avoid the dreaded hot seat. Got to get it together. The Steelers have a bye week now, and I think they only allow a couple practices before the bye. The players have to get four consecutive days off, so they will probably have their usual Mondays where they come in, watch the film. Uh, They might have some work on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday have to be off. That's part of the NFLPA's agreement. This is going to be for the coaches. This bye week is going to be for the coaches. They have to figure out a plan. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't meet with Kenny Pickett if he's still in town, but the players have to be given off. If the players still come in, like that's that's on them. But they have to figure something out. This is on the coaching staff to get the players in the best position to succeed. It's on the players to do their job. Some pretty damning comments, again, uh, by Kenny Pickett in his post-game press conference. We'll talk about that on Wednesday. All right, folks. That does it for me. Winners and losers. I would really love to have more winners and losers. Definitely not been that way a lot this year, but we're going to stick with it. I'm not going anywhere. Make sure you're on the lookout on Tuesday for the tweet that goes out. Obviously, you know what to do. Follow me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. I put out the tweet every Tuesday morning. You respond to that tweet. I will answer your question on the mailbag segment on Wednesday's podcast. In the meantime, Steelers lose again. They're two and six. But you know how we finish it out here.
Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your Have a great start to your week. We'll see you on Wednesday. Go to you.